The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns and his dog, uh, Jason is our Tiger basketball beat writer. Um, what's your dog's name, Jason? His name is Huey. Huey, Huey? that's right. Not yeah. named after the restaurant, right? Actually, no. Named after the greatest uh, band Huey leader in, of all time. Okay, Huey okay good. Huey Lewis? That's that's yes. a good sec. Close second to Huey's. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty eventful week for Memphis basketball. Um, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, Thursday, November 19th, and um, we've got some breaking news on the scheduling front. We've got news involving Isaiah Stokes' future, DeAndre Williams' eligibility, Musa Cisse's eligibility. Um, we're coming off uh, a pretty eventful Wednesday night at the NBA draft for Memphis basketball. And, oh, by the way, we're technically six days away from the Tigers starting the regular season. Maybe. Hopefully. Maybe. I don't know. Um, okay. We'll see. Um, but let's start with uh, Penny Hardaway. The news today from Penny Hardaway. He had an availability with the media after he came back from Nashville where he was watching the NBA draft with James Wiseman. And, uh, Jason, you were the one who asked him – about the uh, about the I guess eligibility or uh, participation or status of Isaiah Stokes, DeAndre Williams, and Musa Cisse. Um, let's go through them one by one. Let's start with Isaiah Stokes because that was the big news. Um, a week after, a little over a week after, Penny said he was expecting Dion or excuse me Isaiah to rejoin the team by the end of last week, by Friday, uh, Penny announced today that Isaiah Stokes has been suspended for a year and won't be with the team this season. Um, your reaction to that news, Jason? I mean, I, it's big news, uh, certainly. And I mean, for a team that thought it was adding all these reinforcements to the front court, that is not a significant – that's not a great development. I mean, Penny has spent uh, – one of the availabilities he had over the summer during this pandemic, uh, he was uh, – somebody asked him about Isaiah Stokes, and he talked about how great his footwork is and how he might be the best low-post player on the team and and this and that. And um, uh, But it's not altogether surprising. I mean, we've known for a while that he hasn't been – been around the team he hasn't been practicing he hasn't been participating in any team activities um now i mean you know penny said just last week that he was optimistic he he was like we expect to get him back this week um and i think we talked to him last thursday uh or thereabouts and so yeah they were i think they were thinking they were going to get him back by at least last friday um so the fact that here we are less than a week later and he he's gone from we expect to get him back and in less than a week he's suspended for a year it's a bit alarming um but what i do i from what i understand this is not a team suspension by any stretch this mm -hmm. is a, a university administered 
year-long suspension. We tried to find out. Uh, I, I followed up with Penny uh, of my original question and asked, you know, what what is the uh, reasoning for this? And he again, just like he did last week, said, "This is it's it's personal issues, more or less." Personal um, reasons. I mean, yeah. I'm guessing his hands are tied in terms sure. of what he can say publicly about this. Um, given that Isaiah is a student, but yeah, he's not going to be with the team this year. I frankly have my doubts if he'll ever play for Memphis. Uh, if, I mean, if he does, honest. if, if Isaiah Stokes plays for Memphis, he will have not played organized basketball in two full seasons. Um, and it will have been what more than two calendar years since he stepped foot yeah. on a, a college basketball court. So yeah, that, that that seems like a stretch, but you know we'll see. And and it becomes a bigger deal because of the two other players we're about to discuss. So let's start with Musa Cisse. Um, that was sort of the big news a week ago when Penny spoke that he he insinuated that Musa had not been cleared to pr- to play yet in a game, even though he was practicing with the team, and. Today, when he's when Penny spoke again, he we got some more clarity on that. He at first said when it quote, when it comes to Musa, Musa's situation is just standing there. We do feel confident enough that he will be on the first road trip. I can say that. And then uh, someone asked a follow up asking what exactly um, that meant. What is standing there mean? Like it's just standing the Musa's thing is just standing there and penny said quote he's been cleared for practice for sure because he's been able to practice but i guess they're still looking at a couple of a couple other things they being the ncaa but we feel like it's coming to an end and that musa will be prepared to go out for the first game for sure so penny is optimistic that musa is going to be cleared by the ncaa this very clearly is an ncaa clearinghouse issue it, it appears um, I'll just say this, like, I, I'm not, I'm not saying Penny is misleading us or lying to us. I would just say Penny is always optimistic about these things. Take Isaiah Stokes, for instance, we just right. talked about it a week ago and you know, he said he's coming back on Friday and then things changed, um, or things didn't go as Penny hoped they would. Right. So I, I we're six days out and when we're recording this from when the first game is, if Memphis is playing in South Dakota, I'm going to be honest, I'll be surprised if Musa Cisse is allowed to play at that, that point. Because it feels like if, they, if, if, this was a, if this was a simple issue, it would have been cleared up already. Um, but hopefully, hopefully it gets cleared up in time for that first game because we're not looking at a lot of depth for Memphis in the front court. And, and before I get your comment on, on Musa, we should update on Deandre Williams. Um, the development since we last had a podcast was Jeff Goodman uh, tweeted about Deandre's plight, if you will, with his, with him trying to get a transfer waiver. And it appears now um, that the Evansville athletic director is the one holding this up. And Jeff Goodman very clearly called out the Evansville athletic director. And frankly, some members of the Memphis staff have done so, you know, kind of uh, discreetly, if you will, on social media. Um, But Penny Hardaway, in a more subtle way, uh, this is what he said today about DeAndre's 
situation. He said, um, we're really in talks with Evansville right now. We're trying to get them to understand where we're coming from with this waiver. We put the waiver in. Now it's in their hands. And hopefully the Evansville AD does the right thing by DeAndre because all the ADs around the country are doing the same thing when it comes to these kids because of COVID. And we should clear up the Evansville AD told Jeff Goodman that the holdup, I guess not the holdup, but he's not willing to, and he said, he used the word that he's not willing to lie and say that DeAndre Williams was not able to, was not able to get a scholarship at Evansville if he came back, which is, I guess, part of the waiver request that Memphis is, has put in. Um, what do you make of those two situations, Jason? Musa first and then DeAndre Williams. I just think about talking about Musa. I think um, if anything was learned, if if there was any lesson that was learned last year uh, with the way the James the James Wiseman um, situation played out, it's that it's that if there's any doubt whatsoever, if there's any question at all about whether a player is cleared or not cleared for freshman eligibility, then you better err on the side of caution or else it's going to end up costing you, um, you know, down, down the road. So now we should point out in the Wiseman case, technically, even though it was right before the first game, the NCAA did tell Memphis about give, give Memphis an answer about Wiseman's eligibility it was right before the first game tipped off, um, but they did inform Memphis officially right before the first game that James Wiseman was likely ineligible. Um, yeah. And maybe that will happen again with Musa too. It'll be right at the last minute. I suspect, like you just mentioned, I suspect Memphis will not make the same mistake again and play Musa when he hasn't been cleared like they did with James. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, I don't uh, who, who are we to know what uh, the NCAA is going to decide or find in, you know, in the, uh, what, what answers they're going to uncover to the questions that they are asking um, about Musa Sise? Who, who really knows? Um, you know, are, are they going to find something that they believe makes him ineligible? I, who know, like I said, I don't know, but um, you know, I, I do know that uh that will be another blow to the front court if Memphis mm-hmm. cannot uh, cannot suit him up. No, if I mean, if you have to play Wednesday without Isaiah Stokes, obviously, and then also without Musa and DeAndre Williams, you're going into that South Dakota event with your front court. You're too really. You have Malcolm Dandridge, Lance Thomas. I guess you know DJ Jeffries would probably have to play some a lot of four. Um, you know, maybe Landers Nolly too, like you'd have to really uh, figure it out, if you will. And, and, and you'd have very – and even just throughout the season, you're just going to have – you'd have much more limited depth in the paint than you plan to have. Um, yeah, you're just going to be – you're just going to be so small um, if, if this is how it plays out, if, if Moose is not able to get on the floor, if DeAndre Williams is not deemed – if he doesn't get his transfer waiver – uh, you're just going to have to go super small. And I mean, you know, you're, it's not a terrible thing. I mean, this, you know, we saw Memphis was competitive last year, um, despite 
No, and listen, you can play. I mean, DJ Jeffries can play the four. He is yeah. athletic and versatile enough. I know he doesn't want to, but he's pretty good when he plays that small ball four. And it will. What I will say is, it's Malcolm Dandridge and Ahmad Rand and Lance Thomas. You're going to need one. It, it's going to be kind of like last year. Remember last year, we'd always talk about well, if if any of these bigs, whether it's Lance or Isaiah Maurice or Malcolm, if just one of them can give them good minutes, this team would be in a much better spot. I think you're going to be saying the same thing, except now it would be Malcolm, Lance, and Ahmad Rand. Right. If just one of these guys can give us good minutes. Um, that's the type of situation you'd be in. It's um, just, yeah, but like talking about looking at it that way, you just kind of hold your breath because they haven't – Malcolm wasn't 100% last year. He only played Mal- – yeah. Malcolm's unproven, Rand's unproven, and, and Lance feels like he has a ceiling. You know, like Lance, yeah. he's not really like a guy who wants to mix it up down low anyways. On defense, I think he does, uh, at least, uh, you know, blocking shots. I don't know how much um, rebounding he – I don't yeah. know how much he's into defensive rebounding. But, um, but yeah, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I hope DeAndre gets clear. It's, well, it's, it's an interesting dilemma because, like, yes – the Evansville AD, I guess, technically doesn't want to lie, but it does feel like when you talk to people around the country, like every AD in the country is there, there's like apparently in these transfer waiver requests, there's like a box that these ADs just have to check. And it's the runoff a- angle of it. Like essentially like one of the ways it's a no brainer to get a waiver request cleared is to just check the runoff box, essentially, that this person didn't have a scholarship. And most of these ADs just do it because, you know what, the kid already chose to transfer. He's not coming back. And, like, if you're actually looking out for his best interests, and, oh, by the way, six months from now, you're not even going to have these transfer waiver requests because then is going to allow you to transfer right away at least once. Like, just, like, why are you making this difficult? Like why? Like I don't understand. Like, it just feels unnecessary by the Evansville AD and kind of vindictive against DeAndre Williams. The impression that I got, and I agree with you uh, on those points, but the impression that I got from Penny today, um, is is that there there the the NCAA is sort of almost huddling up with Memphis and Evansville at this point to try and get this ironed out. Um, and I think it's merely going to be uh, some clarification um, on somebody's part. Somebody's going to have to maybe do a little bit of clarification uh, on the request. And once that's done, then I feel like it'll get ironed out. It's just a matter of when that's going to happen. This dude deserves to play. That's the bottom line. Without a, well, I mean, here's the thing everybody else is getting transfer waivers. I mean, like I would say if they were denying, you know, more than 10% of the transfer waivers, which it doesn't look like they are, it looks like it's, you know, even less than that. Um, if they were denying anybody transfer waivers this year, I would say, you know, what it's whatever, but, but just because, just because Evansville's athletic director doesn't want to like, just because he's being, petty it seems like uh like i don't understand what he has to gain from this nothing all he's doing is gonna look he looks bad nationally now because a national writer has called him out and 
Like, you know, I guess, yes, officially he would be, maybe he, he doesn't want to lie on that sheet of paper, but yeah, he wants to be able to sleep at night. And that's, that's kind of what it sounds like from his explanation, but is, is that really it? It feels like I'd have trouble sleeping at night. If you're, if you're just, you know, using, you're basically using a kid as a pawn in all of this. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night about that either. So hopefully this gets cleared up and hopefully whenever Memphis plays its first game, DeAndre Williams is out there on the floor. Cause what we've heard from reports and practice is that if he is allowed to play this year, he is going to be one of the team's best players. Yes. Um, yeah. He is a difference maker from day one. He may not, he may not average, you know, 12 to 15 points a game or anything like that, but he is going to be a difference maker. Yeah. Now when that first game is, Again, they're scheduled to play St. Mary's on Wednesday in Sioux Falls, South Dakota at the Bad Boy Mowers Crossover Classic. Um, but right before we hopped on this podcast, Creighton became the latest team to pull out. Earlier this week, Texas A&M pulled out. So now the field we've got in this – this field went from having Duke, Ohio State, um, West Virginia, Memphis, Creighton, Utah, um, yeah, Wichita that was, State, um, that was the original, and Dayton, right? I said Dayton. No, right? now you no, know, no. Hmm? Dayton, Dayton wasn't in the original field, Dayton replaced Duke, I think. Oh, you're right. So, Duke, Ohio State, West Virginia, Memphis, Creighton, Utah, Wichita State, Texas, was the eighth team. Oh, yeah, and Texas AM. Yeah, now you've got it. Now it's West Virginia. Memphis, Utah State, South Dakota State. Who else am I missing here? St. Mary's. St. Mary's. Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa. Who else? And Wichita State. Northern Iowa and Wichita State. And so Memphis. And a, and a, and a TBD. A uh, now TBD that to, fill, to fill the spot left by Creighton. Um Obviously, South Dakota is not great with COVID-19. It's like over a 50% positivity rate right now in South Dakota. And that's part of the reason why teams are pulling out is that and, – and Penny even mentioned it today. Like, if you test positive while you're up there, one, you're going to – apparently you're going to have to stay up there for 14 days in quarantine. But more so, the rules laid out by the NCAA ahead of this or the guidelines and protocols laid out is that if one person on your team tests positive – the whole team's got to shut things down for 14 days. That includes practice. That includes mm-hmm. any like, any in-person, close contact, anything, workouts, all shut down. For instance, today, DePaul had COVID-19 issues in their you know, with their team, and they had to cancel their first three games of the season today. Yeah. You know? Well, that's what Creighton. I mean, that's that's what's being reported with why you know for why Creighton is pulling out is multiple COVID nineteen positive tests. And so here's the question: So if you look at the way the bracket is set up, Memphis is going to play St. Mary's, and I will say this: South Dakota tournament has done a decent, given the circumstances, given the fact that only three of their eight original teams are still remaining. They've done a decent job replacing teams with with you know obviously not name brand power conference teams but like good mid-majors yeah. um but right now if you're memphis 
you're looking at playing St. Mary's, who's number 74 in Ken Palm to start the year. And if you win that and West Virginia beats Utah State, then you've got a shot at playing West Virginia, who's number eight in Ken Palm. That is an attractive game to try and play. But now you now with Creighton gone, Creighton, who's, I believe, number 14 in Ken Palm. Now with Creighton gone, at most you're looking at one marquee game in this. And what let's say, let's say you beat St. Mary's and lose to West Virginia and then beat, I don't know, Northern Iowa. Could they play no Utah State in the third game? Yeah. Like, is it really worth for for that to go two and one with a loss to with no marquee win? Is it really worth risking missing two weeks of your season if you go up there and someone gets COVID? Unless there is some sort of financial reason why they can't back out at this point, I don't see for, – for the reasons that you just laid out, the fact that South Dakota is so hot right now, um, the fact that the, the quality of the field is, is dwindling um, – yeah, if West Virginia pulls out, you have to me, you have to pull out. Like yeah. the only thing keeping you in right now is like, wow, we could get a marquee win over West Virginia. And well, the other, I mean, let's be fair. So again, we talked about this last week. St. Mary's, it's gonna be a borderline. It's at least gonna be borderline. It won't be it might not be quad one, but it it could be close. You're not going have- up there for quad two games, Jason. It's like you know, like you want to get you're you're in this tournament. To get like because let's just be real when you look at how the AAC projects, you're just not going to have that many opportunities for big wins in AAC play. Like Houston's good and Memphis looks like it's going to be good, and then you've got like SMU, USF, like maybe hopefully they're good, you know. Um, Cincinnati, hopefully they're good, but like no guarantees, and so. Um, well, but then the other wrinkle to this is we we just finished talking about the fact that Memphis is not going to have Isaiah Stokes. They're not going. They, they might not have Musa Cisse. They might not have DeAndre Williams. Is there any guarantee? I mean, I think I think that under if they don't have those three, they could still probably beat St. Mary's in the first game. But mm-hmm. if something crazy happens and they don't, you go up there and you lose to St. Mary's. You play, then you're playing Northern Iowa, and then maybe you know who knows on the other South side, Dakota State or something. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's that's not worth. There, there are a lot of now with Creighton out, especially there are a lot of, and Texas A&M. There are a lot of scenarios where you really don't get anything out of this tournament yeah. in terms of like quality wins. And so earlier today when Penny spoke, and this was before the Creighton news, he seemed pretty like he seemed pretty gung ho still about going. Like he was still committed to going. He sounded well. To he did throw out the qualifier as we speak. He yes. he said, you know, we're we're still going as we speak. Well, I think it was basically like we're waiting to see if these other, you know, Creighton and West Virginia are still in. And now you've lost one of those two, and so, so we shall see if they if that's the first game of the year, or maybe, you know, maybe they maybe they maybe there's a home game they can plan spur of the moment or maybe we're looking at their first game isn't until they play Arkansas State um a couple weeks from now but that's how this season's going to be I mean like uh, unfortunately th- this is kind of just a reminder this whole tournament fiasco is just a reminder of what the season's going to be 
Um, I guess on the bright side, we got news today from the AAC. I believe, I believe Taylor Eldridge of the Wichita Eagle reported it. He um, did, and I confirmed it. Yeah, the AAC is planning to announce its conference schedule tomorrow. So we will presumably know the dates of 20 Memphis games tomorrow and 10 home games at FedEx Forum tomorrow because obviously the AAC has gone to 20 conference games this year. So I guess that's the bright side of today's news. Um, I think so. I mean, it's it's criminally close to the start of the season and we're just now getting, you know, the – the bulk of the schedule. So, but uh, yeah, that's, so that's big news. I, I, I'm very happy about that. And then um, another piece of news today from Penny, I, I asked him about his search for an assistant coach to replace Mike Miller. Cause he's that, that still has not happened. And uh, we got an interesting answer from Penny. Um, he said, quote, I think I'm going to fill it, but it's going to be temporarily and if temporary works out and earns that, he'll hire he'll hire him full time. Um, I guess um, he said. I then at pre- I asked him, is it going to be someone who you're promoting from within, like Rodney Hamilton, the director of basketball operations, or is it someone from outside? And he said, it's quote, it's probably going to be someone from outside. I've been good friends with the guy for a while, who's a really brilliant basketball mind who hasn't gotten, I guess, his chance to show what he can do in the game but we talk about basketball all the time and I have the utmost confidence in him. He would not reveal who it is. He would not reveal a name. Um, but so kind of an odd, frankly, an odd situation there uh, hiring a temporary, making a temporary hire from outside. But um, Penny emphasized he's, he, he's looking to, he loves the chemistry of this current staff and he's looking for someone who can seamlessly uh be a part of that chemistry and it looks like it's someone who's he's known for a long time who maybe Memphis fans might not know he's not like a name brand type of thing not like a big hire um what did you make of that Jason and do you have any people in mind who you think it might be well I mean you know it's it's I don't know it's also interesting how this has played out because for a long time you know he, he was going through the paces of a normal search for an assistant coach and we were hearing different names. Nolan Smith was reportedly offered the job and turned it down to stay at Duke. Um, And then it just kind of, it felt like it just kind of got dropped and, you know, we asked about it um, here and there, but uh, it never seemed, you know, for like a month or six weeks, it just sort of, we were in limbo a little bit. Um, But yeah, so today's news kind of came as a bit of a surprise, but I think, you know, the way I look at it is, yes, you you are potentially adding a member of, you know, someone to your coaching staff potentially six days before you play your first game, five, six days before you play your first game. But you'd rather, you know, if you're going to add someone, you if it's, if it's adding someone five or six days before the first game or adding someone the day before the first game, you want to go ahead and do it. So, you know, from that standpoint – fine, uh, go ahead and, and, and do it. You know, uh, you don't want to be shorthanded the entire season. Um, but yeah, no, some, I mean, you know, we heard, um, along with, uh, Nolan Smith, one of the names that was being floated around, there was uh, Tim Fuller. Uh, we, we heard his name. 
former Missouri assistant who's been kind of out of the game or he's been an administrator the past few years at a division two school, but he was an assistant under Frank Haith at Missouri. Yeah. Um, so that was one name that we'd been hearing. Uh, another name that was being floated around was Robbie son, the former UAB coach. I can tell you it's not going to be him. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, these oh. are just names that were sort of uh, involved. Now, I, I will say I call a name that's been floated is Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. The former Melrose high high school coach who um, used to coach at UT Martin and most recently Troy. I spoke to Jermaine earlier today Um he was uh, not, let's say, non-committal. Uh, so I, I, that could be a name potentially to uh, consider. Um, so maybe that's who who Penny's referencing. I'm not sure. He, uh, but, he hmm? is he is a name that I had heard back when all the when all the interviews were taking place. That Penny was looking at as someone who might be able to come in and in a different role, maybe not an assistant. He's been, coach. he's been mentioned in a potential role really since Penny took the job. Like yeah. even when, like he was, like he was trying to maneuver on, you know, get his way onto the staff when Penny first got the job even. Mm -hmm. So we, we shall see. And obviously he's a Memphis guy, um, you know, so we shall see what, what Penny ends up doing. It sounds like he's got someone in mind, at least on a temporary basis who he's going to hire soon. Maybe whenever that first game happens, we'll, we'll find out who's on the bench. Um, and then uh, last but not least, last night was a big night for Memphis basketball at the NBA draft. It was, you know, it was, it went about as well as you could have hoped for if you're James Wiseman, if you're precious to Chua, and if you're Penny Hardaway. Um, so James Wiseman goes number two to golden state. Penny was in Nashville with them. I was, it's funny. I was, surprised initially to see Penny right there on my screen in James's living room on the couch. But then in retrospect, now that I think about it, it shouldn't have surprised me at all. It was actually a very smart move by Penny. Um, whether those fences have been mended completely or not, given what happened last year, it's a very, it was a very smart PR move to be there for that moment. And we saw just as soon as James got drafted number two, ESPN did a whole package that was basically an infomercial for Penny Hardaway um, and what, and his influence on James Wiseman and, and how he helped James Wiseman. And so, and then precious Achua goes number 20 to the Miami heat. Um, and so Memphis has, has someone drafted for the first time since 2012 for the second time ever, they have two first round draft picks. They were one of two schools to have two top 20 picks yesterday and Penny became the first college head coach who was a top three pick as a player and then coached a top three pick. Um, so obviously it's just a big night for, for Memphis basketball. Penny talked today about, you know, he thinks it's going to, you know, it's going to have an impact on the recruiting trail now that they have this under their belt. Um, what were your impressions of draft night, Jason? Well, I, I thought it couldn't have gone much better for the players themselves. It couldn't have, they couldn't have been put in, in much better positions than they are. Yeah. Golden state had the number two overall pick. They had a very, you know, 15 and 50 or whatever they were last year. But, you know, this is a team that is, is uh, usually pretty good when everybody's healthy. Steph Curry is, is expected to be healthy. Um, they, they got Draymond Green back. We did. We do know now that Clay Thompson will not be uh, available at all this year after Terry. Although apparently they just traded for Kelly Oubre. So. Yes. 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 
So he's going into a really good situation, uh, James is, and then Precious is going to the reigning uh, Eastern Conference champs, right? I mean, he's the, the Heat um, are, are a good team uh, coming off a really good season. So um, he is somebody who uh, is, is going into a good situation. And, um, yeah, it's, it's – Penny said, you know, the way he sort of explained it today was um, it's one thing to – to go on the recruiting trail and talk to these players who, you know, assume that, that Penny Hardaway and Cody Topper and Tony Madlock can put guys in the NBA, but for it to actually be uh, concrete now for him to actually be able to, to show these recruits, uh, this is what I did for them. This is what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's it's potentially big, big stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's 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 something Penny like Penny's whole pitch has been, you know, I'm going to prepare you for the NBA. And one thing other coaches could use against him, like the John Calipari's of the world, the Mike Krzyzewski's, the, the the other coaches he's competing with for some of these recruits could say, listen, I've actually sent guys to the NBA. He hasn't yet. Now this is something Penny can check off his box, check he can check that box off. Like no one can use that against him anymore. Well, and you know, now I'm sure teams are using, well, you know, look, he hasn't done any, he hasn't made the tournament yet. And hopefully this year he can check that box off. Like, you know, like, like, so that's where I think it's important. It's just something that won't be, there's no way anyone can use it against him. He he delivered when it came to James Wiseman and precious Achua. Um, And so I think it'll, you know, I don't, I don't know if it'll, revolutionize Memphis's recruiting. They were already recruiting pretty darn well, but I just think it's something now no, no one can hold this over Penny. Like he can, he can re, he can, he has tangible evidence that what he is saying works. Which is a scary thought as well as he's been doing, especially on the recruiting trail thus far. Uh, and now he's sort of taken that part of a, that, that knock on him away from uh, the competition it's it's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, well, big big night for Memphis basketball. Um, we'll see if next Wednesday night's a big night for Memphis basketball. Um, this will probably be our last podcast before Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll probably take next week off. Um, but we'll see on the next episode. We may be talking about how Memphis did in the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic in South Dakota. Or we may be talking about how they didn't play in it and they're getting ready for their home opener against Arkansas State. Yeah. Your guess, frankly, right now at 4.42 p.m. on Thursday afternoon, your guess is as good as mine. Um, But we shall see. Uh, Till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll see you next time. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of The Commercial Appeal.